Hey Harbour City and any friends who are joining us from somewhere else, uh, it's great to see you guys today. And today was meant to be our last in-person gathering for 2021, so I was sad that we had to move to church at home today, but just because of the number of COVID cases in our city and particularly in our church family, I think this has been the better choice. I know many of you watching this today are either isolating or have had an exposure or have tested positive for COVID, and I just hope you are all staying safe and healthy and doing okay but it is a privilege that we're able to meet like this despite the circumstances seeing churches around the world closing Christmas services right now which is really tough another Christmas in some form of isolation so I'm grateful that we're able to have church at home like this and because this is our last service of the year we don't have any more church in person or at home until the 9th of January and we'll keep you posted on those details because of that I wanted to share a Christmas message today which will help us to get and kind of prepare ourselves and get into the Christmas mood and mindset. Now I did say this last Sunday, I confess that I'm a bit of an anti-Christmas sermon, Christmas sermon guy. And the reason I say that, I mean I love Christmas, I love this time of year, I love the Christmas message. I think that the Christmas message is good news for all people. But the reason I say that is because sometimes Christmas services and Christmas sermons can feel a little bit more like one of those stands in a grocery store. You, you know you walk in and then there's one of those displays and it's bright and bold and it's there to lure you in and it's a bit sickly sweet and it's trying to sell you something. I feel like sometimes Christmas services and sermons can feel a little bit more like that and less like the earthy, real, um, human divine story of Jesus and salvation and us that we find in the scriptures. And that's what I'm going to try to communicate today. And the reality is no matter what you believe, no matter where you're from, no matter where you find yourself on the faith and belief spectrum, all of us watching this today are watching and are united for the same reason by a man who was born 2,000 years ago, a Jewish man born in the Middle East in Israel. And we're watching here on the southeastern tip of the continent of Africa in different parts of the city of Durban. It just shows us that there is something about Christmas and something about this man named Jesus, which is incredible. And I do want to say I'm not trying to sell you something today. But I think there is something in the message of Christmas, wherever you find yourself on the spectrum of faith and belief, that is for you. Or as the scriptures say, there is good news of great joy for all people found inside the message of Christmas. So we're going to look today at a passage from Matthew chapter 1. You can turn there in your Bibles or it will come up on the screen as I read it. But this has so much to say to us today. So let's read along. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
Now, I think one of the reasons I've struggled nearly every year as I've prepared Christmas sermons is that I, I read these Christmas passages through these uh, red and green tinseled lenses of modern day commercialized Christmas. And I read a passage like this and I read all the detail on what's going on and I'm like, where's the Christmas at? You know, where, where's the eggnog and reindeer? Where's the presents and the food? Where the stockings and mistletoe? Where's Santa and advent calendars and mince pies? Yes, there's an angel, but she's not on top of the Christmas tree. Where is all the Christmas at? And instead of all of that stuff that we know and love about this time of year, here in this passage at the first Christmas, we get these three big themes of scandal, sin, and salvation which seems a little bit disconnected and distant from our modern day sanitized, tinselized Christmas celebrations. So this morning, I want to look at the big three Christmas themes that we find here in Matthew chapter one. And we'll take a little bit of a look at the message of Christmas and how this is relevant for us right now. So the first thing we see here is the scandal of Christmas. Now, scandal is an interesting word. I think there's two different shows on TV called Scandal right now. Scandal can be defined as an action or event regarded as morally or legally wrong and causing general public outrage. That's what Jesus was born into. Not, not the kind of Christmas we have in mind. He was born into scandal. And what I love about Matthew's account of the Christmas story is that we get Joseph, the father's side of the story in Luke's gospel, because there's a number of different Christmas origin stories that we find in the New Testament. But in Luke's gospel, we get Mary's side of the story. You know, Mary having this angel, the angel Gabriel, appear to her and speak to her and tell her that she's pregnant and tell her that she's going to give birth to the Messiah conceived by the Holy Spirit. We have Mary going and spending three months with her relative Elizabeth, who would give birth to John the Baptist. You know, Jesus' relative would also play a huge story in the spread of the message of the gospel. And we see Mary treasuring up all of these preggy moments inside her heart. She even sings a song about this. It's a really cool story. She's a really proud mom. But here in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, we've got a rather skeptical fiancé, Joseph, faced with a decision to make after his fiancé, Mary, is found to be pregnant. And he knows it's not his. They haven't been sleeping together. And he knows biology. He knows how these things work. And this woman is claiming to still be a virgin. And she's claiming that this child is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she's claiming that this child is the promised Messiah. Dum, dum, dum. It's, it's very huge. It's a lot to take in. Now, for all of us, whether you believe in the message of Christmas or not, whether you believe in Jesus or not, or whatever you believe about him, it's easy for us to be sentimental at this time of year, to enjoy the Christmas traditions, singing Christmas carols, even the, the biblical themes of love and peace and hope and joy that we find in the Christmas story. I know I love all of that stuff. But for Joseph, the first Christmas wasn't like that at all. It wasn't sentimental. It didn't feel traditional or religious. This was personal. This was heartbreaking. He was devastated at the first Christmas, and it felt like his life was falling apart. You see, Mary had had this angel appear to her. She'd had this divine visitation, God speaking to her and saying, Mary, you've been chosen to give birth to the Messiah. So yes, she might have been a little bit scared and uncertain of what that looked like and what it meant, but she was good. She, she'd had all of that. Joseph, on the other hand, hadn't had an angel. He hadn't had this divine visitation or anything like that, which means when Mary, his virginal fiance, comes to him and says, Joseph, we're pregnant, and she holds up that little stick with a plus sign, meaning, yes, she is pregnant and they're going to have a baby. 
And she says she's so excited. Joseph would have struggled with this news a bit. You can imagine how awkward that conversation would be for Mary, even gearing up to it. She goes, no, 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 wait. Okay, let me just, let me explain this. I have been faithful to you. Don't worry. We're pregnant. We're going to raise this child together. And this is the best part, Joseph. This is the best part. The father is God. This child is his. And this is good news, not just for us and the family we want to build. This is actually good news of great joy for all the people. Our child is going to bless the world. It's a bit of a hard sell for Mary to share that with Joseph. Now, as we read these scriptures, and some of you have heard a bunch of Christmas messages, so none of this is new to you, but we can miss out on some of the context and the background of this moment in Mary and Joseph's relationship. You see, they, they would have grown up in this small town together. And when I say small town, I mean a couple of hundred people. So this is the kind of place where everyone knows everyone's name, everyone's business, everyone's news. You've grown up around these people and, and you know them so closely and intimately. And you can imagine as you become a teenager, as you decide or you begin to have romantic feelings for someone, as you do start to partner up, there weren't a lot of choices. And for Mary and Joseph, somewhere along the line, feelings started to develop and they thought, this is my person. I'm going to marry them and we're going to build a life together. And Mary was Joseph's sweetheart. He, he'd always known her. They'd grown up together. Maybe they were each other's first boyfriend or girlfriend. He's in love with her and he's got this picture of the future where they're going to grow old together in this town. They're, they're going to buy a house. They're going to sit on like that porch swing outside holding hands. And on the holidays, like Christmas time, all of the family are going to gather. The, the kids and grandkids and maybe even great grandkids. And they're going to celebrate together. And that dream that's been in his heart is shattered by Mary's news. Joseph, I'm pregnant. And the question that Joseph needs to answer is this. What is he going to believe about Jesus? And what is he going to do about Jesus? And that's really the question for all of us to answer, wherever you are in your faith journey. Now, what are you going to believe about Jesus and what are you going to do about Jesus? If you've been a Christian for a long time, this is even a good reminder for us. What do we believe about him? And are we living in light of who he is and what he's done? Understandably, when Joseph hears this news, he decides to call off the wedding. I would have done the same thing. Joseph isn't buying this whole virgin, divine um, conception, Holy Spirit, will of God, sales pitch of Mary's. He throws that out when she shares it with him. But Matthew tells us in verse 20 of chapter 1 that Joseph does a lot of thinking while all of this is going on. It says he considered these things. And I love that about Joseph, who is an unbeliever. He's a skeptic. He's, he's new to this news of Jesus. And I love his response. It's logical. It's thoughtful. It's skeptical. And maybe that was your story before you came to believe in and follow Jesus. Or maybe you're joining us today and actually you're exploring Christianity and that's why you're watching this video. Maybe you're saying, does Christmas uh, offer me hope? Does it offer me a, a reason to, to believe in God? Does it offer good news of great joy to me? 
and you're considering this, I want to say to you, it's okay. Joseph shows us this example. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to process these things. But I also want to say there are really good answers out there to the questions you might have. And I love that Joseph, even though he struggles to believe what's going on, he considers these things. And if you're exploring Christianity for whatever reason, I want to encourage you to consider these things, to do some research, to chat to a few friends, to find questions, the answers to your questions because they are out there and to consider these things properly and while Joseph is doing just that he has a moment a, a supernatural moment where he falls asleep confused angry and hurt maybe he cries himself to sleep we, we don't know the backstory what's going on and as he falls asleep an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and speaks to him and says do not fear do not fear don't know if you know this, but that is the most common command in the whole of the Bible. Do not fear. And the reason is because of who God is. We don't need to fear because God is good, because God loves us, because God is in control over everything. God rules and reigns over all things. He rules and reigns over our lives. So we do not need to fear. We can only trust in him. And the angel appears to Joseph and says, do not fear. Don't, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. Do not fear to take her son as your son, because it's all true. This whole story, everything she said is true, Joseph. This boy is the son of God. Mary has been faithful to you. Sorry, I know this is a lot for you to take in. And most importantly, the child in her stomach that's growing so well will be the savior of the world. And his life and his message will be good news of great joy for all people. So do not fear. I believe that in this moment, as Joseph has this dream, that actually God is speaking in him and putting courage in him to step up to the plate and respond to this call, this purpose, this mission that God is giving him to be Jesus's father, to raise this boy as his son. See, this was the assignment that God gave him, his calling or purpose in life, which is probably what all of us most want to know. Why am I here, God? What do you want me to do? Would you show it to me? Would you make it clear? And Joseph knows that if he says yes to God, yes to this calling, it would probably mean that he could be laughed at by some and he might be rejected or scorned by others. For Joseph, he knows some of his friends and some of the people in the town are going to call him a fool, an idiot, if he decides to go through with this marriage to Mary. You know, they know, <laughs> they know the story, they know what's going on. And they think for Joseph to buy into the sales pitch of Mary's would be crazy, that he would look like he was a fool. Others might reject him or might reject Mary because they know this woman is pregnant, whether she's committed adultery or her and Joseph have slept together before they got married. But they know that this baby was there before the wedding happened. And maybe they would reject her or reject them as a couple. Joseph knew he'd be misunderstood and gossiped about and that his family and his son would too. And Joseph considers these things and he decides to say yes to God, to follow God, to obey God, to respond to this calling and to raise Jesus as his son. And Joseph surrenders over his reputation to the Lord. Maybe some of you right now, God's calling you to do something and you need to surrender your reputation to the Lord and trust him with it. Because Joseph, to respond to God, has to embrace the scandal of Christmas. And he responds to Jesus and he believes. He believes that this baby is uh, this Jesus from the Holy Spirit, that this baby is God and that he will save people from their sins. 
And I want to ask you today, do you believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is? It's the scandal of Christmas. The second thing we find here is the promise of Christmas. Matthew writes that Jesus was born to fulfill a prophetic word given by Isaiah the prophet 730 years before he would be born. So Jesus' birth, it's fulfilling a really, really, really old prophetic promise. I'm not the most patient guy. That's a really long period of time. But what Isaiah has said is that there there will be one born who will be Emmanuel, God with us. And that is who Jesus would be, God with us. But it takes 730 years for that prophecy to be fulfilled. I'm sure all of you have watched some form of this experiment. Uh, I know there's a bunch of versions that have been on TV. But these scientists, the experimenters, they get a bunch of young kids together. And one by one, they take them into this room and they give them one marshmallow. And they say, hey, listen, kid, if you can wait 10 minutes without eating this marshmallow, I'll come back into the room and give you a second marshmallow for you. You can enjoy them both, eat them, do whatever you want with them. And it's a crazy thing to me. You know, marshmallows are great, but honestly, there's not a huge difference between one or two. But they've done a lot of research on this and what it says about you and your development and your future. And you see the first group of kids, the really good kids, they they obey. You know, the, the marshmallow gets put there, they sit and they watch, maybe longingly they look at this marshmallow, but they don't touch it, they don't eat it, and they get rewarded 10 minutes later with a second one. Then there's the second group of kids, maybe some of you fall into this category, who want the second marshmallow, but the first marshmallow is so tempting. So they lick it, they look at it, they get in close, they touch it, maybe they even put it in their mouth, but they, they, they don't go the whole way and eat the marshmallow. And then the third group of kids, as soon as these experimenters leave the room, they just put it straight in their mouth and they eat because they believe, you know, this marshmallow is real. It's in front of me. Don't talk to me about this unseen, invisible, potential marshmallow that I might get in 10 minutes. This one is here now. I'm eating it. Seeing is believing. And for the Israelites, they had to wait 730 years for this prophetic promise of Emmanuel God with us to be fulfilled in Jesus, which is incredible patience. And listen, they knew about God. They they had the Torah, the scriptures, they had the temple. Their families had told them the great and mighty things that God had done over the generations. But they had never had God right in front of them in flesh and blood, a person that they could speak to and touch and watch and learn from and experience. But in Jesus, they did. Some of you might have watched the movie Love Actually. It's probably my favorite Christmas film. Um, Just want to warn you, there are maybe a few unsavory parts in the film. But in the opening scene, you're at an airport, which I'm sure many of us haven't spent much time at in the last two years. And you're at the arrivals gate, and there are just people flooding in from their flats from around the world. And they're seeing family and friends, and they're embracing and hugging and kissing. And Hugh Grant, in his beautiful British accent, is speaking over the scene and talking about what love actually is. It's very, very sweet. And I think for many of us, we've experienced this over the last while. I very luckily had my sister-in-law arrive from Hong Kong this week. She arrived on Wednesday. We haven't seen her in two years. We've missed her. And she arrived and we surprised her. She didn't think she was going to see us. But we surprised her. She got a real shock. She looked a little bit terrified, actually. And she got to meet her niece, who she's only ever seen on a screen. It was really, really sweet and special. But for all of us, uh, we've learned over the last two years that texting and uh, Zoom and email are amazing tools. 
but it's not the same as being in person. Some of you watching this today, you know church is not the same on a screen as it is in person. And there's some people who won't watch this today because they're like, oh, you know, church at home isn't church. I, I, I want to gather with the people of God. And what we see here at Christmas time is this reality played out in the incarnation. In Jesus' birth, what we see is that God came near. We see God in the flesh. We see God with us. And that is what God gives us in Jesus. In the birth of this baby, all of a sudden the promise and prophecy of Isaiah are fulfilled. John 1 verse 14 words it slightly differently. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God arrives on the scene. Philip Yancey says, in Jesus, God gave us a face. And all of a sudden, God could be seen and touched and experienced in a completely different way. If you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus. Read through the scriptures, see how he acts, see what he says, see what he values and what he teaches, see uh, his miracles, see his healing, see what he does. He is both our savior and our example. And Emmanuel means, you know, God with us means that whatever is true of God is true of Jesus too. Jesus is fully man and fully God. What we see here is that the message of Christmas teaches us that God is not this impersonal force. He's not out there. God isn't some distant figure that we can't know. God is knowable. What we learn at Christmas is that God came near, that God came down, that God cares about us, and that he wants to have a relationship with you and with me. God with us means that Jesus didn't just come to save us or to forgive us, that he doesn't just come to give us a second chance or to wash our slates clean, that God came down because he wanted a relationship with you and I. He wants to know you. Jesus wants to know you. The third part of this passage is the good news of Christmas. The other thing that the angel tells Joseph is that the baby who will be born, his son, must be called Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Now, probably a lot of us don't talk about sin often. We, we don't share about our sins often. Maybe some of us don't even like the thought that we are sinners or we are sinful or that we have sinned. Uh, even though confession is such a gift to us to live free and in the light, free from our sins uh, rather than bound by them. But probably more than that, we don't think of sin as a topic to talk about at Christmas. But our sin and our need for a savior is the reason that Jesus came down. It's central to the message of Christmas. Now, in the naming of Jesus, as we read this passage, we can miss a bit culturally. And this is important, so let me fill you in. It was the parents' right, and even more so, it was the father's right to name the son. But what happens here is that God shows up and says to Joseph, Hey, Joseph, you're going to have a son. You can't name him. I'm going to name him, and his name will be Jesus. And that's a big thing. Because in those days, a person's name was more than just a label. You know, parents didn't just think, oh, you know, I like the name Jesus. Let's go with that. It's got a nice ring to it. You know, for, for my parents, oh, Grant, I like that. It's got a nice ring to it. No, the name had meaning behind it. Grant means tall. So my parents definitely had a bit of a swing and a miss with my name. But there's so much behind the name of Jesus, which we really need to understand. To Mary and Joseph, you know, parents of that time, these Middle Eastern parents, your name was your identity. What you were born to do was locked up in your name. Your name would tell you that about your purpose in this world. And the angel tells Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because of his life's work, because of why he was here. He will save his people from their sins. 
and the name Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, or Josh for the Joshes watching, all mean the Lord saves, or God is our Savior, or God's salvation. And you know what Joseph did when he woke up from this dream? He's heard from God, he's heard from this angel, and he goes and he obeys. He takes this woman back. He, you know, he decides, I'm going to raise the son as my own. And when he's born, he says his name will be Jesus. He obeys God. When, you see, what happens here is that when Joseph woke up from this dream, he woke up to the reality that Jesus saves, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the one who, as I spoke about all those years before, Emmanuel, God with us. And I want you to see the change that Joseph has gone through here because it's so radical. He's gone from being a skeptic and an unbeliever and considering and processing all of these things to saying that actually this child is the fulfillment of the prophecy. He is who Mary and Isaiah say that he is. He is God with us. This baby is the salvation of the Lord. This is Jesus, the promised Messiah in Christ. He is the Savior of the world. He is. He himself is the good news of great joy for all people. Now, Joseph had some hurdles and some obstacles in his journey of coming to faith, like all of us do. But Joseph worked through all of them, and he found himself being a believer, being a follower of Jesus. Now, I think when some of us hear the Christmas message, or we, when we think about Christmas time, we hear it through a specific filter. And it says something like this. The filter blurs it to be something like this. The Christmas is a time to get yourself off of God's naughty list and onto God's nice list. And this is the big like asterisk, little, the, the big print, not small print. That that can only happen if you make the decision to make some godly New Year's resolutions and to do better and be a better person in the new year. Now that might be a really good idea for you. Maybe there's some changes you need to make in your life now. But I just want to say this, that is not the good news of Christmas and it's not the message of Christianity and it's not the gospel of Jesus. Jesus doesn't teach, be a good person and God will be happy with you. That's the gospel of Santa, not the gospel of Jesus. Instead, you see the good news of Christmas is not be a good person and God will be happy with you and will give you everything you want. Instead, the good news of Christmas is that God came down, that God became flesh and blood that God moved into the neighborhood, that God walked this earth, and that he, that he, this Jesus, will forgive his people of their sins. Not that he'll tell you what to do to be saved. Not that he'll point you in the right direction, but say, hey, listen, it's going to be a hard journey. Not even that he will give you your next steps in following him. No, the, the good news of Christmas is that he will save us. The good news of Christmas is that salvation comes from above, not from within. You see, all of us are trying to save ourselves in some way, whatever it might be for you. It could be work, it could be relationships, it could be achievement and success, it could be finance, money, possessions, it could be achieving your goals, it could be pleasure and satisfaction, it could be being a really religious, moral, good person, whatever it is. Christmas teaches us that salvation isn't something that we do or earn or achieve or unlock or receive, you know, it's not that but that salvation is a person named Jesus. Salvation is him, and salvation is in him. You see, in Jesus, God gave us a face, and in Jesus, God gives us salvation. So I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus? Have you responded to Jesus? Are you right with God? And have you experienced the salvation or forgiveness that Christmas is all about? 
Because if not, right now, wherever you are, whether you're watching this alone or with someone, you can pray a prayer. If you're watching this with someone, I'd encourage you to say, that's me. I, I actually, I want salvation. I, I want Jesus. I, I want to follow him. I, I want him to be Lord. I, I want to buy into this Christmas story and pray together. But if not, you can pray a simple prayer right now and just share that with God and ask Jesus to forgive you and save you and begin the journey of following him. And for those of you maybe who've been Christians for a long time, who like me, you've been to a lot of Christmas services and heard a lot of Christmas sermons. Maybe for you right now, after following him for a long time, God doesn't feel very near this Christmas. You don't feel close to God. He feels distant. Maybe you don't feel like you've heard him speak in a long time. I want to remind you that the good news of Christmas is that God came down and that God came near because he wants a relationship with you. And there might be some sin you need to repent of. There might be some stuff you need to stop and stuff you need to do. But I want to remind you right now, despite how you feel, despite what you think, that God has come near to you because he wants a relationship with you. And maybe as you end this year and go into the new year, it's to believe that truth, that he is near, he is with us, and he wants a relationship with you. Father, I pray for everyone watching this, wherever they might be watching it today. I pray, Lord, that you would come and show us the truth of Jesus. For the Josephs watching this who are maybe a bit skeptical or doubting or unsure what they think, I pray as they consider these things that you would show Jesus to them. I pray for those who need salvation today, Lord God, that they would respond to you and would receive the free gift of your Son and the salvation and forgiveness in Him. And Lord, I pray for those who've been following you for years, that you would be real, that you would be near, that you would be full of love, just that they would experience your love and grace and truth this Christmas, and that you would bless them and meet with them in your name. Amen.